Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Capacity fully automatic. Large caliber. Freedom. Mojo 5-0. Standing Ground is a production of Leahy Media. criminal charges came out of President Biden's classified documents investigation. But Special Prosecutor Robert Hur made a characterization in his report that created a political firestorm, writing Mr. Biden would likely present himself to a jury as he did during our interview with him as a sympathetic, well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory, prompting Mr. Biden to call a rare last-minute evening press conference, firing And I know what the hell I'm doing. My memory is fine. Her, a Republican tapped by the attorney general to oversee the Department of Justice probe, added that Mr. Biden could not recall details about his life, including when his son Bo died. How in the hell dare he raise that? Frankly, when I was asked the question, I thought to myself, it wasn't any of their damn business. The 345-page report is the result of a year-long investigation. It concluded that Mr. Biden's actions posed serious risks to national security, laying out photos of records dating back to his time as vice president that were crammed into desk drawers and boxes in Biden's Delaware home and others at a former office in Washington, D.C. I take responsibility for not having seen exactly what my staff was doing. It goes in and points out. Things that appeared in my garage, things that came out of my home, things that were were moved not by me, but my staff. How bad is your memory, and can you continue as president? My memory is so bad, I let you speak. People have been watching, and they have expressed concerns about your age. That is your judgment. That is your judgment. That is not the judgment of the president. President Nixon famously had the Saturday Night Massacre. The Saturday Night Massacre, uh, this is the night that he asked Elliot Richardson to fire the independent counsel, and Elliot Richardson wouldn't do it, and it turned into a total pig screw, and it became known as the Saturday Night Massacre. When I watched that press conference last Thursday night with Joe Biden, the the demented Joe Biden, I, I I gave it its own marquee, its own epic, and I referred to it as the Thursday Night Massacre. There is no other way to describe it. However, 
what happened on Thursday night is no great surprise. Uh, there was a there was a British philosopher in the 1800s by the name of Jeremy Bentham. And Jeremy Bentham uh, came up with something called the hedonistic calculus. We, our lives are about maximizing pleasure and minimizing pain. Well, when they put Joe Biden up against Donald Trump, it was all about getting Donald Trump out, which I guess I understand. But they didn't think of the long-term effects of having this aging fool um, in the White House, who at that point, when he was inaugurated, was already showing signs of dementia, that he may not make it eight years. And now here we are. It's clearly he's not. It's clearly that's not going to happen, at least from my from my perch. Right. Okay. so we've got we've got that today. We're going to pick it apart. And it's interesting because after the Thursday night massacre last Thursday night, that press conference, as a result of this, her report, um, the damage control, the spin machine, everything on the left is really having a hard time spinning it, if you will, because what we saw prima facie is it's like the tape doesn't lie the man is toast so where do we go from here all right so we've got that now in the second break i've got other things i want to get to i'm also going to harp on on joe biden um but it is the big story as it still is the big story is this unbelievably controversial interview that tucker carlson did with vladimir putin in in moscow and i will play a portion of it in the in the b block and it is interesting it doesn't matter whether you like putin or not it's interesting and and uh tucker carlson is correct that you know journalism is journalism and that's what they do but what's left of journalism and he went over there and he interviewed vladimir putin whip-de-doo let's hear what he has to say all right so we've got that amongst other things we'll throw into the mix i'm jeremy Leahy. this is standing ground it is monday february 12th post super bowl sunday uh those of you who are listening to me who overslept or called in work today uh sick that are hungover um i i get it i guess something like 60 million people or something call in uh sick or whatever uh the day after the Super Bowl. So anyway, uh, congratulations, uh, whoever won. I didn't. Oh, wait, it was the 49ers. I didn't watch it. Okay, Uh, I'm Jeremy Lee. This is Standing Ground. This is Mojo Fiber Radio. Uh, Once again, it is Monday, February 12th with you up until the 11 o'clock hour. Let's get going. How totally out is your memory and can you continue as president? My memory is so bad I let you speak. People have been watching, and they have expressed concerns about your age. That is they, your judgment. They, that is your judgment. That is not the judgment concerns. of the press. Jeremy Leahy. I have been privileged and proud to serve as Vice President of the United States with Joe Biden as President of the United States. 
And what I saw of that report last night, uh-huh. I believe is, as a former prosecutor, um, the comments that were made by that prosecutor, gratuitous, mm-hmm. inaccurate, and inappropriate. I think I mentioned this last time, but I think it's worth reiterating. When a special counsel is appointed and they come back and they deliver their report, um, they have a moral obligation overall, but legal to a certain degree, is they have something called prosecutorial discretion. Recommending prosecution, not recommending prosecution. But at the same time, they give us something called a ratio to sendai. Their reason for deciding while not to prosecute uh, or recommend prosecution. James Comey, his excuse was that Mrs. Clinton would have no idea that she was sending. but And you could argue that back and forth. But that was his reasoning, and that's what he told us. And he said no reasonable prosecutor would pursue such a case. What Special Prosecutor Hers said, in essence, was he did these things. Um, he did willfully retain information. He acted with a guilty mind, and he knew what he was doing, I guess, at the time. But to put him on trial, you're not going to get a conviction, in essence, saying that the President of the United States is not mentally fit to stand trial. And... um. You know, I mean, in the in the technical aspect of it, that was something that would go to a judge and a judge would have a psychiatric evaluation done. But like we've all gotten to the point, we don't need to be shrinks to know that Joe Biden has lost it. And in the process of interviewing him, they determined that he's so foggy about everything that putting him on the stand would just be unethical. And they could not get a they could not prove that what he did with intent was done beyond a reasonable doubt, which you need. State has the preponderance of evidence. Um, sorry, has the has the burden of proof. So I get it. I understand why they don't want to pursue. The, and, and I don't necessarily disagree with that ratio to Sendai. That's where we are. But Kamala Harris comes out and makes a statement that you just heard. Let's play it again. I have been privileged and proud to serve as vice president of the United States with Joe Biden as president of the United States. And what I saw of that report last night uh-huh. I believe is, as a former prosecutor, um, the comments that were made by that prosecutor, gratuitous, Mm -hmm. inaccurate, and inappropriate. So what the vice president is saying is that, no, it's BS. He's not demented. He doesn't have a foggy foggy memory. He's not feeble-minded. Okay, so let's let's follow Kamala's advice and say, okay, he's not those things. Well, then what? Let's go ahead and prosecute him. So Kamala Harris is saying, well, uh, take basically you take all that other stuff out and you've got a legitimate case to go forward. That's what I found to be amusing. All right, well, it continues because the spin spreads right away. Of course, we knew this was going to happen Friday morning uh, with Binder Girl, and they got right into it because, well, they wasted no time getting into Joe Biden's uh, mental fitness. If the special counsel says President Biden's got significant limitations on his memory, then who is helping him run the country? The president of the United States runs the country. The commander in chief runs the country. How can he be trusted with the nuclear codes if I I get that you're saying 
that uh, nobody in the building would say that he's got an issue with his memory. But just the little part of what we get to see, he's made mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake on camera this week. So I'm going to be very clear here. Mm. Um, the reality is that report, that part of the report does not live in reality. It just doesn't. Living reality. Now, do you guys remember when Kellyanne Conway, shortly after Trump won the election, and she made that infamous, I would call it a screw up, when she said alternative facts? It's like that. What does that mean? I I don't know what she means by that, but um, Kareen makes that statement. You're like, well, what are you talking about? It is it's the White House is up against the wall. Um, it is a big old mess. And now they have to figure out what they're going to do between now and November. It's a, it's a long ways away. And when you watch that press conference and you see him, the, the devolution of his neurological state over the last just even couple of weeks is just it's 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 painful to watch. But what's interesting is that the Democrats, well, not interesting. It, it kind of makes sense because a lot of people in the media or political junkies or people who are former Democratic uh, operatives have come out and clearly stated this is a problem. They want him out. They want him out. And one of the funniest clips, you guys know who Paul Begala is? Paul Begala, very bright guy, uh, always liked him. He's Democratic strategist for Bill Clinton. Uh, him, and, him and James Carville, I pretty much say, they put Bill Clinton in the White House. Um, this is what he had to say on CNN after watching that Thursday night massacre press conference. Listen to this one. Look, uh, I'm a Biden supporter. I, I, and I slept like a baby last night. I woke up every two hours crying and went to bed. Uh, this is this is terrible for Democrats, and anybody with a functioning brain knows that. Okay, and here, here's an, here's another good voice of reason who I like very much, uh, Democratic operative for Barack Obama, David Axelrod. He's 12 years older than, or more than when I worked with him, 15 years older than when I uh, worked with him. So yes, he's, he's not exactly the same. This has been something that's been plaguing the president throughout uh, this campaign and before this sense that he, he has lost a step, that he's not with it. Uh, public perception is formed by how you perform in front of the camera. And on that, I think the president has lost a step and it has hurt him. And it has created these questions that are the central challenge for him uh, in this campaign. Kudos to them, but at the same time, you always have, and you have this on both sides, you have what's called Kool-Aid drinking. And here we go. Painfully so. And I just thought, well, who's in pain? Like, what that, that adverb is such a, it's doing so much work yeah. editorially. Well, You're in pain because it takes too long? If you ask me to, you know, identify precisely when I was where, what years, uh, et cetera, I would have a, you know, under that sort of adversarial uh, questioning, I would have a tough time. Why did, would he want to remember the day that his son died? I promise everybody on this panel right now has misspoken and said the wrong name or the wrong, uh, you know, the wrong date in a conversation. Let's call it what it is. Uh, this is ageism snuck into a report. The man is 80 years old. He rides a bike. No, he does not ride a bike. Uh, so you got you got the Kool-Aid drinking. You got on both sides. But when after this, the Thursday night massacre last week on Friday or even, well, I would say even after that, just right after it happened, 
the these political talk heads, congressmen, senators, whatever, they they ran to the they ran to the cameras like a moth to a light bulb on a summer night. You know, it was just like they went right on. And here is this is uh, J.D. Vance. This is courtesy of Fox News. And J.D. Vance went on uh, Fox. I think this is this is with uh, Jesse Waters. Here you go. See, I don't think so. I think this is all about ego, because if he cared about the country first, he would recognize what is obvious to everyone, even many Democrats, that he simply can't do the job. I, look, I agree with Dean Phillips that what I saw yesterday was sad. This is a person who's clearly incapable of carrying on his duties. This is a person who's clearly lost a step. But I'm most sad not for Joe Biden, but for the people he leads as president of the United States. And I have to just respond to this point, Jesse. You hear this sometimes said by Democrats that, yeah, Joe Biden's lost a step, but so has Donald Trump. I don't know how any honest, self-respecting person can look at Joe Biden at that press conference yesterday, compare it to Donald Trump and say that these are two people who are in the same place mentally. It's, it's just obviously fake and not true. Trump's got the energy, he's got the memory, he's got the verve to do the job. Biden is a guy who's clearly gonna need to go hide in the basement if he has any chance of reelection, because if that is the image they present to the American people for the next six months, we're gonna win in a landslide, Jesse, because that is terrifying to think that guy has the nuclear codes and controls our national defense. I, I agree with all that, and Peter Ducey brought that up. They always bring up the nuclear code thing, and, and that, I guess, to a certain degree is true. Uh, technically speaking, the president does not have his finger on the button. There's a, a long process, and you know, okay, well, we won't get into that. But it's not just that. It's a host of many other issues. If you're listening to me right now and you think that Joe Biden is getting up every morning at seven o'clock and getting going through four newspapers or even earlier and getting into the Oval Office before eight and getting briefed and taking phone calls and doing Zoom calls and calling world leaders. But you're you're just you're, you're in a fantasy world. The way I view it, this is something that I opine, is that probably it takes him about two and a half hours to get him going in the morning because they probably have to um, when, once he wakes up, they have to give him his medication give him his oatmeal or his, his cream of wheat and his his orange juice and then make sure you don't give him too much Metamucil and then uh, give him a shot, give him a steroid or something to pep him up to get him going for the day. We generally, when the very rare occasion we do see him, it's usually not till after 10, 11 o'clock in the morning. All right. So what this all comes down to is that we have a president in we right now have a president in office that has lost control of his capacities, mo- mostly mental capacities, but some physical capacities. Um, I mean, Franklin Roosevelt had physical issues, but mentally he was sharp, whether you're a fan of Roosevelt or not. Um, pretty much until he di- Well, he did disappear a little bit, but he um, the man was in a wheelchair, but he could function. His brain could function. So, you know, you go back and forth, we compare it to a lot of uh, all the different presidents, what have you. Well, yesterday was Super Bowl Sunday, as you know. And it is a tradition that the president does an interview on Super Bowl Sunday because you get like a really big audience, right? Correct. And he was originally scheduled to do the Super Bowl Sunday interview. And after Thursday, they backed out of it. Now, what does that tell you? If he's fine, well, then screw it. Stick with the Super Bowl Sunday interview. Well, James Carvel, you know, the one that looked at Donald Trump and said, those aren't 
those aren't those aren't scars. Those are sores. The man has to clap. <laughs> well, James Carville, who I like very much, as I have said before, I think he's just funny, entertaining, and he's not always a Kool Aid drinker. He. He was he was brutally honest when he was being interviewed on uh, CNN about this disaster last Thursday night. And this is what he had to say. Is it too late for Democrats to change horses? Well, I mean, in a sense, it's, it's never too late. If you had a, a nominee and nominee dropped dead and last week of October, you'd have you know, some mechanism to have a replacement. Uh, it's pretty. It'd be late to do it without a lot of chaos. And but yeah, you you could you could have one. Lyndon Johnson dropped out in, in March of 1968. We had a nominee, so it, it's never too late. But the later it gets, the more confusing the process gets, and then you get into some DNC picking candidates or state party chairs and. That's a that's a great point, and he's not the only one to make it. But as more time passes, you know, from a temporal standpoint, as, 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 when more time passes, it becomes more complicated. Do they really want to go all the way up to the convention to decide what they're going to do? So, what are their options? Well, they can pressure him to resign now put her in, then she's the president of the United States. Get her prepped for the nomination, or really try and ride it out. We're talking 10, 11 months where this guy in the next month is even going to be five times worse than he is now. Any reasonable person who watched that press conference, any reasonable person would come to the conclusion that if he doesn't resign, the 25th Amendment needs to be invoked. The only problem is, is that there needs to be a unanimous vote of the cabinet, which I don't think you're going to get. And you're not going to get the vice president has to sign off on it. Now, it can go the other way around. Congress can transmit a letter. And then in 10 days, if the president sends a letter back and says, no, I'm fine, then they're back to square one. So if I was in the if I was in the Biden camp, my position would be more because Congress could remove him. And there's there's Democrats that that could remove him that want to remove him, would would, would go for it because they're they're concerned about uh, the, the up and coming election. Well, James Carvel on uh, was day was it over the, the the weekend Friday prior to the Super Bowl made this point, which basically says it all. Well, when you don't accept the Super Bowl interview, you, you're about, I don't know polling averages you're three points down in a two way. Uh, it's the biggest television audience, not even close, and you get a chance to do a twenty twenty five minute interview on that day and you don't do it that's a kind of sign that the staff or yourself doesn't have much confidence in you there's no other way to read this i agree it's deductive reasoning it makes sense we're not putting him we we have an opportunity for the president of the united states to have the largest audience he could ever get to explain to us what his platform is and what he wants to do for the next four years and they turn the interview down and we know why they turn it down because the staff doesn't have confidence in him they don't they they're they're worrying they bite their nails every time he goes out it is a mess all right i'm jeremy lee this is standing ground this is mojo 50 radio my email standing ground 1776 at gmail.com standing 
Ground 1776 at gmail.com with you up until the 11 o'clock hour. Guys, do me a favor. Let's keep the station on the air. Let's keep me on the air, at least for now, before I'm booted off. Uh, please go to www.mojofiverradio.com backslash shop. That is www.mojofiverradio.com backslash shop and get yourself some Mojo goodies today. Hats, cups, t-shirts, the Doc Thompson pillow with all his great advice and something for you and yours and help the station out at the same time. Simply go to www.mojofiverradio.com backslash shop. That is www.mojofiverradio.com backslash shop. Okay, in the next break, we're going to stick with this a little bit amongst other things, but we're going to talk about the Putin interview uh, with Tucker Carlson. I'm going to play some of it. Um, I know I'm an enabler. Uh, as Hillary Clinton referred to me, would refer to me as a useful idiot and a puppet for Putin, like she said, Tucker Carlson. But she would never refer to Barbara Walters that way when she interviewed him. <clears throat> anyway, um, Hillary got heckled. I have the cup, but I'm not going to play it because I just sick of hearing from her. Anyway, I don't know why. I don't know why the D, I don't know why the DNC even want. I mean, if I was in the DNC, I'd be like, just tell her to shut up because all she does is she just picks up the shovel and digs the hole. She makes matters worse. But anyway, don't get me going on her. All right, with that, I'm Jeremy Lee. This is Jenny Graham. This is Mojo Fiver Radio. Quick break. Right back. Totally your memory, and can you continue as president? My memory is so bad, I let you speak. People have been watching, and they have expressed concerns about your age. That is they, your judgment. They, that is your is judgment. Public that is not the judgment concerns. of the press. Well, you know, identify precisely when I was where, what years, uh, etc. I would have a, you know, under that sort of adversarial uh, questioning, I would have a tough time. Why did, would he want to remember the day that his son died? I promise everybody on this panel right now has misspoken and said the wrong name or the wrong... Uh, you know, the wrong date in a conversation. Let's call it what it is. Uh, this is ageism snuck into a report. The man is 80 years old. He rides a bike. Bicycle, bicycle, bicycle. I want to ride my bicycle, bicycle, bicycle. I want to ride my bicycle. I want to ride my bike. I want to ride my bicycle. I want to ride it where I like. Why have thousands of aspiring authors teamed up with Christian Faith Publishing to publish their book? Because Christian Faith Publishing is an author-friendly publisher who understands that your labor is more than just a book. We provide authors freedom and flexibility throughout the publishing process, professional book editing, award-winning design, and some of the highest royalty structures in the publishing industry. And as always, you will retain 100% of the rights to your book. I was looking to find a company that I could trust, one that assisted in the editing process completely. The most important qualities that I was looking for was a publisher who is honest and upfront. No hidden costs or fees and owning the rights to my own work. Christian Faith Publishing will publish, market, and sell your books in all major bookstores, online booksellers, as well as specialty Christian bookstores. Call for your free author submission kit. 800-978-4812 That's 800-978-4812 Good evening. This is Chris with KWSN News. Today's headlines. Inflation is on the rise. Crime is skyrocketing. And war is looming around the world. While it might feel like the world is falling down around us, there are still good people that exist in this world. 
take a break from conventional news and tune into Damn It with Beaver on Mojo 50 Radio, 5 p.m. Eastern Time, Saturdays. Hear random acts of kindness, how you can help save an animal's life with the rescue of the month, and many other topics that will make you smile and possibly even laugh out loud and make you forget for one hour that the world is burning down around you. So don't let the world get you down. You just say, damn it, and you move on. That's Damn It with Beaver, 5 p.m. Eastern Time, Saturdays on Mojo 5 Radio. You're listening to Standing Ground with Jeremy Leahy. Classified material next to your Corvette. What were you thinking? Let me, uh, I'm going to get a chance to speak on all this, God willing, soon. But as I said earlier this week, people, and by the way, my Corvette's in a locked garage. Okay? <laughs> okay. So it's not like you're sitting out in the street. Right. But anyway. It's in a locked garage. Yes, as well as my Corvette. Tack it up, tack it up, buddy, gonna shut you down. It happened on the strip where the road is wide. Two cool shorts standing side by side. Yeah. Such a badass with your Corvette, man. All right. Mr. President, thank you. On February 22nd, 2022, you addressed your country in a nationwide address when the conflict in Ukraine started. And you said that you were acting because you had come to the conclusion that the United States, through NATO, might initiate a, quote, surprise attack on our country. And to American ears, that sounds paranoid. Tell us why you believe the United States might strike Russia out of the blue. How did you conclude that? Well, it was not about that the United States wanted to surprisingly strike Russia. I didn't say so. Is it a talk show or is it a formidable, serious talk that we're having? <laughs> Here's the quote. <laughs> Thank you. It's a formidable, serious talk. To my friends in Russia, I say to you, what time is it there now? Okay. Privyet dobre vieche kakvasavut, Jeremy Lehi. Um, uh, okay, here we are. Now they got the NSA tapping my phone because I'm a Russian agent and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a puppet for Putin because I know a little bit of Russian. Okay. Uh, Tucker Carlson interviewed Vladimir Putin. Okay. Interview Vladimir Putin. As you know, there was all this hoopla about it and called him a traitor. And now he's facing sanctions from the, uh, the European Union that are not going to grant him passage to their countries anymore, or his family. And, oh, God, how dare he sit down and interview with Vladimir Putin? Well, I guess I'm in the same situation because I'm about to play a good portion of the interview to you. So I guess I'm in the same same thing. But um, – I thought it was an interesting interview. I don't like Vladimir Putin. Um, just like I didn't I didn't like uh, Fidel Castro, but I watched the interview that Barbara Walters did with him, and she became friendly with him. And I did watch the interview she did with Muammar Gaddafi after he decided to uh, blow up a discotheque in an airplane over Lockerbie, Scotland. Um, only because, as Tucker Carlson said, we as Americans, we, I believe, I have a moral obligation to stay informed and listen to whoever um, to a certain degree. I, I I never really was interested at all to hear what Charles Manson had to say. <laughs> but, 
Um, but when it comes to world leaders, world affairs, whoever, whatever side of the aisle, want it, let, let's hear it and let me make that decision and not have the government do it for me. And that's why the government is going after uh, Tucker Carlson, because under Joe Biden, they want to have a uh, state controlled media. They, they, they try what the informations are and all that kind of thing. It's nuts. That's the way we're going. As long as we have a clown like this guy in the White House and um Kamala Harris. But anyway, without any further ado, I'm going to play it for you, a portion of it. Uh, here's Tucker Carlson with Vladimir Putin. It's a, it's a serious talk, okay? You have, uh, you are trained in history, as far as I know. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, allow me, I'll allow myself, like, to spend a minute to give you a reference note, a debriefing, if you don't mind that. Please. <coughs> Well, look, our relationship with Ukraine, what was the starting point of the, of the relationship? Where does Ukraine come from? The Russian state became centralized, which was the year of establishment of the Russian state in 862, when, well, there is a city of Novgorod in the northwest of Russia, when they invited Prince Rurik from Scandinavia, from the Vikings in 862 in 1862 1000 years since the establishment of the statehood was marked and in, uh, there is a memorial dedicated to that in, in Novgorod in 882 the successor of Rurik, Prince Oleg who actually was a regent to, to Rurik's young son, came to Kiev, he ousted two brothers that used to be in the past, had been in the past uh, members of the crew of Rurik. And so there, there were two centers of the statehood in Kiev and in Novgorod back then. The next uh, red letter date was 888, the, uh, the conversion into Christianity, when Prince Vladimir accepted Eastern Christianity, the Orthodox faith in Kiev. Since then, the centralized power in, in Russia got entrenched with a single territory, a single economy, one and the same language, and after the baptism of, of uh, Rus, they had the same, the same faith and the rule of Grand Prince, and the centralized Russian state was fledgling, thanks to different reasons, after the succession to throne practices were introduced by Yaroslav the Wise after he passed away. There was not direct order of uh, succession from father to the eldest son, but it was uh, it was uh, the horizontal from the demised prince to his brother, and all that led to the partitioning, feudal, partition, feudal partitioning of, of ancient Bruce. Same happened in Europe, it was a natural process, but those, that partitioned state, Russian state, became and fell prey to the empire established by Genghis Khan and Khan 
party came to Rus, pillaged all the cities and different cities like Kiev and others lost their independence by northern, while northern uh, cities of Russia preserved part of their sovereignty. They paid tribute to, to the Yuk. And l l later the centralized Russian state became fledgling in, in northwestern part of Russia and the southern lands of, of Russia were gravitating towards towards another center, the one of Europe, the Grand Lithuanian dukedom, duchy, the Lithuanian-Russian duchy, as the Russian, the ethnic Russians constituted a major, a big part, and they were orthodox in faith and they spoke the ancient Russian language then there, but Later, Poland, the Kingdom of Poland and the Grain Duchy of Lithuania were unified and another unification in spiritual sphere was signed and part of the Orthodox priests were now subordinate to the to Pope. So in those lands were transferred to the Polish and Lithuanian state, but for decades the Poles tried to uh, well convert uh, those those people, those Russians, trying to insert uh, entrench an idea that those were not specifically and fully Russian, trying to assimilate them. Ukraine means uh, the trim of the nation, the trim of the land, the border area. So some of them were, were border guards or something, but there was not about a specific ethnic group. So the Poles tried to assimilate the Russian population there and treated those lands in a tough or cruel even way. All that led to that part of the Russian lands struggle for their rights. They wrote letters to Warsaw claiming that their rights were to be up upheld. I, I beg your pardon, can you tell us what period, I'm losing track of where in history we are. The it was in the 13th century, 13th century, 14th century. 13th, 13th century. And I'll tell you what happened later, and I'll keep track of the, the dates. In 1654, or a bit earlier, the people who controlled power in, in that part of the Russian lands uh, addressed Warsaw, uh, claiming that some Russian ethnicity and Orthodox rulers would be sent to, to, to govern them, and Warsaw declined and rejected that, and then, then they turned to Moscow so that Moscow would establish its power over them. Just, uh, I'm not inventing things, don't you think? Just, just... I'll, I'll give you these documents. It doesn't sound like you're inventing it. I'm not 
sure why it's relevant to what happened two years ago. Well, still, these are copies from uh, the archive with letters from Bogdan Khmelnytsky, the one who controlled uh, that part of the Russian lands that is now called Ukraine, and he wrote to Warsaw claiming that the rights be uh, upheld, and when he was rejected, he refi received the refusal, he started writing to these are of Moscow, wishing to, to be part of the Russian lands. And there is a translation in, in, in Russian and in English, probably. Russia would not accept them straight away, because they feared that the war, a war with Poland would be unleashed in 1654. Uh, the Council decided that this part of the ancient Russian lands be accepted as part of the new Russian land. And the war with Poland began and it lasted for 13 years and afterwards a truce was enacted after the 1654 Act. Three, Two years afterwards, the eternal peace with Poland was established and proclaimed. And all the left bank on, of, Nista, of the Nista River, including Kiev, Dnieper, Dnieper River, uh, was part of Russia, became part of Russia, and the right bank of uh, Dnieper became part of Poland. And in, under the rule of Catherine the Great, Russia returned all those historic lands, historical lands of its. And that all happened and lasted till the revolution. But before World War I, using the ideas of Ukraine ethnicity and origin, the Austrian general staff started promoting the Ukrainian origin and Ukrainian identity, because they, in, in the view of the First World War, they wanted to weaken their prospective enemy. And, you know, the idea that had been born in Poland that those people residing in that territory were not specifically and wholly Russian was later promoted by the Austrian general staff and uh, theorists appeared in the 19th century upholding the independence of Ukraine. They spoke of its need to obtain independence, but all the pillars of the Ukrainian sovereignty, all the proponents said that Ukraine was to have a very good relationship with Russia. They insisted on that. Well, after the revolution of the 1917 happened, Bolsheviks tried to restore the statehood, and the civil war began, including uh, standoff with Poland, standoff with Poland. In 1921, the peace, with, peace uh, treaty with Poland was proclaimed, and under this treaty, the right bank of Dnieper River once again belonged to Poland. In 1939, after Poland cooperated with Hitler, and they collaborated with Hitler actually, uh, we have all the documents in the archive, and Hitler pro proposed uh, Poland a peace treaty and a friendship treaty, but he claimed that Poland should give the Dance Corridor back to 
dancing corridor back to Germany and that connected the main part of uh, Germany with East Prussia and Königsberg and after the First World War that part of territory was transferred to Poland and instead of Danzig the city of Gdansk appeared, it, it was renamed, so Hitler, Hitler asked them to give it uh, amicably, they refused, but still they collaborated with Hitler and they together partitioned Czechoslovakia. You're making a case that, that Ukraine, certainly parts of Ukraine, Eastern Ukraine is in, in effect Russia has been for hundreds of years. Why wouldn't you just take it when you became president 24 years ago? You have nuclear weapons, they don't, if it's actually your land. Why did you wait so long? Sure. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I'm coming to that. You know, this debriefing is coming to an end. It might be boring, but it, it explains Mary, many things. how it's relevant. Good, good, good. I, I'm so gratified that you appreciate that. So after, when before the before World War II, Poland did not accept the claims of Hitler, the demands of Hitler, but participated in partitioning of uh, Czechoslovakia, but it did not give the Danzig corridor to uh, Germany. The Poles played too much, and you know, as a result of that, Hitler started the war with them, against them. On the 1st of September 1939, it was on Poland turned uncompromising and Hitler had to begin with Poland and the USSR, I have read some archives, the USSR behaved in, a, in an honest way. The USSR asked Poland's permission to transit their troops through the Polish soil to, to help Czechoslovakia, but the then Polish uh, foreign minister said that even if uh, Soviet fly, uh, planes would fly over Poland, they would be downed, he said, but that doesn't matter. What matters is, the war, is that the war began and Poland fell prey to the, their own policies against Czechoslovakia, according to the Molotov-Ribbentrop Pact. Part of that territory now belongs to Russia, including Western Ukraine. And Russia, that was na then named the USSR, came back to its historical lands. And after the victory in, in uh, the Great Patriotic War, as we call uh, World War II, all those territories were enshrined to belong to the USSR finally and definitively and uh, actually Poland as a, as a compensation received the originally German western lands the eastern part of Germany part of the eastern part of Germany some, some segments these are now western lands of Poland and uh, it once again received the part of the coastline of the Baltic Sea and the Danzig once again was renamed to become Gdansk so this is how the situation the whole situation happened and when the USSR was established in, in 1922 the Bolsheviks started establishing the USSR and they established the Soviet Ukrainian Republic that was not existent before, hadn't existed before. And Stalin insisted that those republics would become autonomous entities, unfortunately, strangely, Lenin 
insisted that they should have a right to withdraw and pull out of the uh, USSR. And to unknown reasons, he gave some of the, transferred some of the lands to that Soviet Republic of Ukraine that belonged previously to Russia and that became part of the Ukrainian Soviet Republic, including the Black Sea region that was conquered by Catherine the Great and it had no bearing, historical bearing on Ukraine, had no relations. In 1654, when Ukraine was reunified, got reunified with Russia, they were the size of three to four contemporary regions of Ukraine. In 1654. Well, I'm just, you obviously have encyclopedic knowledge of this region, but why didn't you make this case for the first 22 years as president that Ukraine wasn't a real country? Yes. The Soviet Ukraine received a great deal of territory that had never belonged had never belonged to it, including the Black Sea region. Russia received those lands as a result as an outcome of the Russian-Turkish wars, and they were called New Russia or Novorossiya. But that doesn't matter. But actually Lenin, the founder of the Soviet state, gave Ukraine its own territory. And for decades, the Ukrainian Soviet Republic was part of the USSR. And to unknown reasons, the Bolsheviks promoted the Ukrainian culture and language, Ukrainization. Ukrainization was called, and uh, the similar things were done in other Soviet republics. The, the ethnic profiles of those republics were raised and uh, promoted. This is how Soviet Ukraine was created, and after the Second World War, Ukraine received part of the lands that belonged to, had belonged to Poland before, and part of the land that had belonged to Hungary and Romania before. So Romania and Hungary were, were deprived of part of their lands and uh, these lands were snatched and given to Ukraine and now they're still part of Ukraine. So in this sense, All right. okay. Ukraine is an artificial state that was established. Hungary has a right to take its land back from Ukraine and that other nations have a right to go back to their 1654 borders? <coughs> Well, I'm not sure whether they can, should come back to the 1654, but if anyone believes, and everyone believes, that the Stalin, Stalin regime rule saw a lot of violations of human rights and a violation of the rights of other nations. Okay, now, John, John Kirby, that's only a portion of the interview, John Kirby over um, at, he's at the White House, Admiral Kirby came out and told us, don't believe a word that Putin says. Now, John Kirby has the right to say that, but John Kirby can't make me decide what I believe and what I don't believe. And to be quite frank with you, I don't really know what to believe with this guy. Um, I, I, I might have to sift through it more and do my own research to determine whether he's bullshitting me and bullshitting us or partly bullshitting us or bullshitting us in totem. Like the whole thing was a was a farce, um, but 
I applaud Tucker Carlson for doing what he did because under great pressure, under threat, under everything, he the, the guy's got a set on him. And he went over and he did it and he gave the middle finger to the White House and said, screw you, I work in media, I'll interview whoever I want, it's a free press, up yours. And we have seen, the whole thing is, we see Vladimir Putin, who obviously is a very bright, compass mentis individual, and he sees Joe Biden amongst many other leaders and says, Hey, let's strike while the iron's hot. Because like I've often said, we, well, a lot of people said, not just, not just I, would be that if Donald Trump was in, still in office, Vladimir Putin would have never gone into Ukraine. He wouldn't even gone in a little bit. <laughs> Remember Biden said that? If he just goes in a little bit. And the world leaders see our demented president and they figure, well, look, I mean, do you honestly want me to take this guy seriously? And after what happened Thursday night, the Thursday night massacre last week, it makes it even more complicated for the White House, for the reelection campaign and what have you. Yeah. For those of you who are drinking the Kool-Aid and we all do it, we're still out there. As we end the show, I'm going to play you a montage of these. This is not deep fake. This is not edited. These are real clips over the last several months of Joe Biden at the podium attempting, underscore, attempting to answer questions from the fourth estate. And every time he does it, he is, it is, it's just, it's funny, but it's not funny because dementia is not funny. But it's especially not funny when the person who's got the dementia uh, is in the Oval Office. If if he's not up to getting out of bed every day and really taking on the job, what is he doing there to begin with? And I'll say it, and it kills me to say it, I would much rather have Kamala Harris in there right now than he, because at least she knows where she is. She's dumb, and I think to a very high degree she's incompetent in many ways, especially with the border, but I'd rather have her in there because she knows what day of the week it is, and she knows which hand her watch is on. That kind of thing. Um, all right. I'm Jeremy Lee. This is Standing Ground. This is Mojo Fiverr Radio. Interesting Monday. A lot of audio. I know it was fast-paced, but I had to move quickly. Um, as I sit here and prepare, we have another Armageddon uh, snowstorm that is being predicted for my region. So now I need to get out and um, stock up and get everything ready um, for uh, for disaster. Okay. I'm Jeremy Lee. This is Standing Ground. This is Mojo Fiverr Radio. Till tomorrow at 10 a.m., Tuesday, February 13th. Uh, be healthy. Be safe. Stay wise. Stay informed. And I will talk to you then I uh, um, anyway and I don't want to I don't want to maybe choose my words I was just thinking uh, I uh, um, anyway and I don't want to I don't want to choose my words I was just thinking uh, uh, anyway I, I just look I mean Putin's kleptocracy uh, yeah oh god it was in February, February uh, January after being elected 
in late January, early February. He said, uh, it's not, we need, uh, not just, uh, well, I won't go into it. Here's what drives the driver in the states that are affected. Here's what you can do, the drivers. Uh, I, uh, for two reasons. Uh. One, to, it's an impact, an impact that decades are making because inaction was, uh, there was inaction uh, with, with the Department of, uh, uh, with, from, from uh, uh, Char, excuse me, from Charlotte, one and uh, another line going from in Florida down to Tampa. The best way to get something done, if you, if it holds near and dear to you, that you uh, um, like to be able to. Anyway, standing ground has been a production of Leahy Media. <laughs> Classified material next to your Corvette. What were you thinking? Let me, uh, look, I'm going to get a chance to speak on all this, God willing, soon. But as I said earlier this week, people, and by the way, my Corvette's in a locked garage. Okay? <laughs> okay? So it's not like you're sitting out in the street. Uh, but anyway. It was in a locked garage. Yes, as well as my Corvette. the seditious, rabble-rousing, liberty-loving, home of fun, entertaining, and compelling talk. Mojo Five-O.